Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning and welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa. Uh, it's been three weeks now we've been doing this service online and really everything has shifted online. Sunday service, our small groups, and then all other meetings are all online. And that's not that unusual for us as a society. We do almost everything else these days online. So why not church? Uh, we, we book our flights, plan our vacations, all online before we go and experience the real thing. Uh, online car buying, that really allows you to just sort of narrow down and figure out what you want to purchase without all the pressure, uh, but still eventually you go to the lot and you, in real life, test drive your new car, sign the contract. Uh, many of you have tried online dating before meeting the real person face-to-face. And honestly, church online is really a great way to test drive church, especially if you're exploring Jesus and Christianity for the very first time. And so this might be, for you, the most comfortable way for you to explore a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're really glad that you have joined us this morning for church. This is, uh, this is again, it's unique uh, in the way that we're doing it, but it's not unusual for us as a society. There's, however, this uh, nagging question, which I think is in the back of my mind. And the question is, does it really matter if I'm a part of a local church? Let's face it, there's great online uh, content. You can find all sorts of great teaching, great sermons, And so does a live gathering really matter? I think it does. In fact, I was recently reading from the book of 2 John, verse 12, where John writes this. He writes, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. I really agree with John, uh, the apostle. I am very, very grateful for this online platform. I'm I'm so grateful for it, and I know you are as well, that you've been able to stay connected with what's going on in our church. But know this, uh, I really long to see all of you face-to-face, in person, uh, because I know many of you personally. I know you by name and by face, and you know many people from our church in a very similar way. And so uh, I think many of us really agree with John. You're probably really looking forward to seeing each other face-to-face, live and in person. And... Now also, I look forward to meeting those of you who have been uh, only a part of our online church community. And so I hope in the near future I get to meet you personally. Uh, but on the flip side of all of this, let's face it, church in pajamas, breakfast in hand, your favorite coffee mug, maybe sitting in a recliner right now, that's, that's not too bad. And so wherever you are, I just invite you right now to engage with us and ask God to speak to you in your heart, right there in your own home, as you would as we look into God's Word, the Bible, for help, for comfort, for perspective. And so let's take a moment to begin our time as we head into this message with a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Father, right now, we just thank you. We thank you for uh, speaking to us. We thank you for being here with us right now. As we worship you, as we uh, seek to know you more through your Word, uh, we just want to thank you for your presence, God. Uh, we have much uh, on our mind right now. There's a lot that's uh, just flooding our mind. Uh, concerns, cares, anxieties, fears, 
And so, Father, we just bring these things to you right now. We ask you to lift them and to carry them. And we lift up the many people, Lord, who are uh, who are battling fear right now. I just pray for each person in, in that's watching, Lord, as they're wa- as they're working through anxiety and fear and other emotions. God, would you would you help us all to walk through this time uh, where we are uh, in just need constantly of you? And so we depend on you, God, in this time. We look to you, Father, for clarity, for perspective. And, Father, we do pray for the many that are sick right now. We, we pray that you'd stop the spread of this coronavirus, Lord, and uh, create a turn, Lord, of events in our world. And, God, we we don't understand it all right now, uh, but we're keeping our eyes on you in the midst of it. And so would you help all those who, who are on the front lines of caring and loving and serving and just trying to um, uh, be involved in, in bringing uh, support and, and medical care. Pray for energy, God, for those in our congregation and really around the world that are uh, aiming to help medically. Would you give them strength and energy and would you protect them, God, from the virus themselves, Lord, we pray. And we commit this time to you, God. We ask you to speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're looking in another letter found in the Bible, the letter of First Peter. And now these, these New Testament letters, they're, you read them and they're pretty similar to letters you and I might receive in the mail. Uh, they're from a sender uh, to a person or to a group of people for some specific purpose. And so this letter, First Peter, uh, is from the author Peter. Simon Peter, he, uh, he's pretty well known in, in the Bible. He had a writing assistant named uh, Silvanus, also known as Silas. But Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. He's one of the key leaders in the first century uh, Christian church, and he's one of the characters, one of the people in the Bible that I wish I could have met personally. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy who would he would keep his friends on their toes. You, with Peter, you're sort of always asking the question, what's he going to do next? <laughs> I mean, he's a leader, he's got a lot of influence, but he's somewhat unpredictable. He's, he's bold, he's courageous, he's reactive, he's ready to charge the hill, but over time, as Peter's life has yielded more and more to Jesus, he's still Peter in personality, but by the time you read First Peter, he's a yielded man. He's yielded to Jesus Christ. So when you read, when you read the letter of First Peter, it's, it's a pretty refined Peter. It's written almost 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. Now here's some background about the book of First Peter. Uh, was, Peter was really within a year or two of his death when he would have been writing this. Uh, he was, eventually martyred by the Romans. No one knows exactly where Peter wrote this letter from, but eventually before his death, Peter was held in a in a Roman prison. Uh, he was awaiting his execution at the hands of the Roman emperor. And in fact, here's a picture that you can sort of uh, get a glimpse of, of where he would have been awaiting his execution. And so uh, you, you actually enter the prison through, a, the ground level is actually into a museum. That houses this old prison. So you walk through that. And when I was with my wife recently for our anniversary, it was our 20 year anniversary, we went hunting through Rome trying to find this prison. It's actually just a few blocks from the Roman Colosseum. But you walk in and then you go one story down and you find this. You find some pictures resembling Peter and Paul, uh, key first century church leaders who had been both uh, in prison there in this prison. Then you go down one floor further and you actually get to the prison. You see the actual dungeon, which was dark and cold and dingy. There was moss growing on the floor. 
and sort of gives you uh, the sense in which uh, the isolation where Peter and others uh, awaited uh, their execution. Now, Peter, when he was writing, this was First Peter was likely before he was in prison there, uh, but he may have been in Rome in hiding. And so he sends out a letter. And who's he writing to? The recipients, Peter's writing to all Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Christians of Jewish descent, Christians of you know non-Jews as well. He's writing to all Christians who are really scattered around the region. And, and here's a word about his purpose. He's, he's really aiming to give words of comfort during pretty dark times. It's dark because Christians were going through the biggest crisis of their lives. They were being persecuted um, throughout the Roman Empire. And the first major wave of persecution instigated by really an insane emperor named Nero started threatening all Christ's followers. And that persecution brought incredible pressure upon Christ's followers. Uh, essentially, their whole world was just flipped upside down. Some of them were losing their jobs. Some of them were losing their lives. Uh, many of their property and their wealth was stripped away. Their relationships, their businesses, their families, everything was just, it really felt like the bottom had fallen out of their lives. And so, as you can imagine, many were losing hope. They were battling fear and anger and anxiety and, and just wrestling through all sorts of questions like, what in the world is going on here? What's going to happen to us? How, how, how should I respond? Are we going to survive all of this? Uh, how do we relate to the leaders who are over us? And then, has God abandoned us? You know, all this, it really sounds a lot like today. These are questions that are flooding people's minds today. In the middle of this crisis that, that the first century Christians were in, Peter, he wrote his letter uh, to people who are just wrestling. And so, with all of that background in mind, let's just jump into the text. We'll look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and then we'll look at a, a section here, and then we'll flip to the end of 1 Peter and uh, and see what we can learn as he's teaching us uh, how to face crisis today. So First Peter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Uh, elect, essentially chosen. Think election. Uh, you choose a candidate. Peter's basically saying that Christians are chosen by God. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. But to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, be Christians who have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He names some, some locations in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, and says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew you and he chose you long ago. It says, in the sanctification of the Spirit. That just means God lives in you and through his Spirit, uh, he is renewing, he's doing a renewing work on the inside of you right now, daily. This is what's happening in the Christ follower. It says, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's a pretty long reading, but he's given us some real helpful reminders. First, God chose us, verse, verse 1, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. You've been chosen. You've, you've been elected by God. These words right here are not just throwaway lines. God has actually chosen us. If you're in Christ, he chose to adopt you into his family. Uh, but why did he do that? It's because he loves you. He demonstrated his love through an act of mercy. We're going to see more about that in just a moment. But, but let that sink in. 
the God of the universe. He, he chose you and he loves you. And also, God is not far away from any of us right now. We may be socially distancing from one another, but our Father is not spiritually distant. He knows you better than anyone. And for Christ's followers, he lives in you uh, through his spirit. And so in that greeting, you get sort of this comfort because you've been chosen by God who foreknew you, who sent his spirit to live inside of you, and who sent his son uh, to shed his blood for you. So let's keep reading. First Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed, just, you know, praise. Praise God, our Father. And according to his great mercy, it says, according to his great mercy, why? Uh, why did he have mercy? What's, what's Peter writing about? Why should we praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy? Well, he had mercy because we all... You and I, we've all lived in rebellion to God. We've all run, basically, our own course in life. We call that sin, when we go our own way in life. And the penalty of our rebellion is death and separation eternally from the God who made us. But here's the great act of love that Peter's referencing. God sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place. Jesus came to pay the, the full penalty of our sin and our rebellion. God offered up his own son who took upon himself what we rightfully deserved. Uh, Jesus died, but then it says that God raised him from the dead. And so, again, let's look verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, we live with expectation. Uh, we have a living hope. This life on earth is not all that there is. We have an eternal living hope. Eternal life actually begins the very moment you trust Christ to save you and follow him as Lord. You have a living hope, Peter writes to the Christ followers. Verse 4, more about that hope, to an inheritance that, in, that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Our hope is secure. Basically, our spot is reserved in heaven. If you're in Christ, your full reward and your inheritance awaits you in the next life. And, it, and for us, the challenge is it's near impossible to really wrap our minds around heaven and around eternity because we're all living in the temporal state. That's all we know. Everything we see around us is breaking down. It's decaying. It's aging. It's susceptible to illness. There's suffering. But Peter's saying, look, our eternal hope, our living hope, is kept secure by God himself. We have an inheritance that awaits us. Now that is perspective to cling to right now. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, he's just referring to this future aspect of, of what is coming our way. Verse 6, In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So Peter's saying to the Christians, Praise God. Don't fear. Don't panic. 
With all that's going on right now, he's saying, praise God. How do I do that, though? I mean, I don't feel great about everything right now. I turn on the news. I check the reports. I look at the stats. I look at uh, the bell curve. How are we to rejoice in all this? I, I, I think about the many, many uh, concerns that, that sort of flood my mind. How, how, can I, how can I recover my thoughts and not let them uh, just start running every direction? Here's how. Peter says, focus on hope in Christ instead of this crisis. We have to focus our thoughts on Christ and our living hope. Again, he bought our inheritance and much more. And that's what's coming. That's the future we look forward to. We can't, we can't imagine the things that God has prepared for us. That future inheritance, it can't be spoiled. It can't be infected by disease. It can't be devalued by a bad economy. Your inheritance in heaven, it, it can't spoil like hoarded food because it's not a part of this old and dying world. It's the new thing that God will do. And so, yes, we, we have reason to rejoice, even through hardship, even in global pandemics, because if you're a Christ follower, you have a living hope. Something else Peter writes through his letter, it sort of jumps off the page. Essentially, he writes this. You find this in chapter 4, verse 12. Peter writes, Beloved. You know, he basically tells in summary, don't be surprised when, when trouble strikes. Don't be surprised. Let's face it, we're often really, really caught off guard when there's trouble. We have so much access at all times. There's so much media coming our way, and, and not all of it's good news right now. And so we tend to sort of turn a deaf ear to the problems of the world. And it's almost like the bad news has desensitized us to where nothing really phases us anymore. And so what we often aim to do is try to distance ourselves from problems until something strikes us so close to home, to our, to our families, that there's nowhere to run. And so this whole global pandemic really has brought Peter's point up close and personal. Look at look at where he goes. Again, verse 12 in, in chapter 4. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Our, our perspective means so much. Peter's saying, don't be shocked when trials come. How we see the world is one of the core filters that explain why we do what we do and think what we think. Many of you You've experienced loads and loads of pain and suffering and difficulty in your life. And so maybe, maybe you really aren't that surprised at this new threat. Uh, and I've, I've noticed that. There's some that they have really, they're almost taking in stride what is happening because they've walked through a lot of trouble, a lot of trial in their lives. Or maybe just the opposite. Maybe this is, this just feels new and, and completely brand, brand new, this, this trial. And, you know, some, when they hit a low, uh, just sort of desperately go searching for anything to just pull us, pull us out of it. 
do you run to things? Do you run maybe a good movie to cheer you up? Do you run to a novel to help you escape or, or maybe a substance to numb the pain or, or an experience to find temporary pleasure? Whenever we do that, that sort of disconnects us from dealing with trouble and dealing with trial. And so Peter, he actually tells us, look, let's not be surprised. It's not as if something is, you know, strange is happening to, to us. This is pretty common in life. There is going to be trials and difficulty and hardship. And God shows us throughout the Bible that our expectation, our whole perspective, our mindset really, really matters in these moments. And so shifting perspective, Peter says, is the way to is the way to, to, to keep your mind on track. You have to anticipate trouble is coming in life. Uh, the person who anticipates trouble has a different perspective uh, as, as the waves of, of trials uh, roll in. And that's really a, what a good portion of Peter's letter is all about. It's really uh, him helping us understand some of the difficult areas we're going to walk through in life. And he, and he he exposes some categories so that we will anticipate the arrival of pressure and trial. And just quickly, I'll bullet out some of the different categories that Peter highlights. One is just all kinds of trials. He just sort of, in verse 6, 1 Peter 1, 6, he, he writes, in the verse we read earlier, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So there's just the broad general category of, of difficulty. Uh, it, it It's going to be... Uh, life is going to be full of trials. Also, you're going to experience trial and challenge and potentially even suffering when you're following authority. And so Peter devotes a good amount of verses in, in his letter uh, to interacting with authority. And you'll see authority as it relates to uh, the government or just those who have authority over us, bosses uh, in the home. There's going to be challenges. And again, anticipate uh, the challenge that will come upon us when we face uh, interacting with authority. Also, you'll you'll likely face trouble in just doing good. First Peter chapter three verse fourteen, interesting verse. It says, "But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, uh, nor be troubled." There's going to be points where you're aiming to live right before the Lord and do good, and trouble's going to strike you. Um, not everyone is going to respond well to your acts of goodness. And so uh, it's, it's again, Peter's saying you should anticipate some trouble will come even when you're trying to, when you're aiming to do good. Also, when you're identifying with Christ, you see in chapter 4, verse 16, Peter writes this, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. It's an opportunity when we identify with Christ, and some of you actually have experienced this as you've chosen to identify yourself as a Christian. Sometimes you get ridiculed. Sometimes you, you get, there's a form of persecution and suffering and trial that you walk through just by claiming uh, to be a Christian. So Paul, so Peter is just really addressing several areas where we are going to encounter uh, trial and difficulty. And so I want to pause for a moment and really encourage you to answer this question. Where in my life right now am I facing the greatest trial? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from relating to authority? Is it coming from uh, this global pandemic? Is it coming from something related to your job or the economy 
or uh, in relationships. Where in your life right now are you facing the greatest trial? I'm going to give you a moment to respond to that. Now that you've answered that question, let's reread First uh, Peter chapter one verses three through six with that specific trial in your mind. Okay, it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading." kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It's in this living hope that you can rejoice. If you're a Christ follower, you have an inheritance that awaits you. This promise can continually lift your head and lead your mind to see beyond just the present day trial. Now, if you flip to the end of Peter's letter, chapter 5, you find some real helpful and practical instruction and then a word of final encouragement. So let's look at verse uh, 6. So this is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. I mean, the, let's pause for a moment. The all-powerful God who is allowing you right now to walk through trials in this life, he invites you to trust and submit to him. Now, now is not the time to get arrogant, to get proud. Uh, but instead, Peter says, humble yourself before God. Wait on him to deliver you from this trial at the proper time. Whenever he chooses to. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. Now this this is, this is gives us a, some imagery here. To cast. The sense of the word cast is really to hurl. Uh, or basically to throw. You're throwing something on something else. Or to someone else. You're throwing something on to another person in a sense. Because of the context, he's saying, cast your anxieties, cast all of your anxieties on him. So Peter's actually instructing us to throw onto the Lord all of our anxieties. This might include your recent disappointments, your discontentment, your questions, your pain, your suffering, your discouragement. What, whatever your anxiety specifically might be right now, I want to encourage you to list out the anxieties you can cast on the Lord. Again, let's take a moment to sort of just jot down what are those anxieties and get get specific. Now that you've listed out some of the specific anxieties that you're that you maybe are carrying yourself and that you can cast upon the Lord, 
Peter himself, he was a fisherman. So you can imagine the thousands of times where, where he would cast his net into the water to, to gather up fish. Uh, Peter also knew all too well the experience of, of trying to untangle a net. I don't know if you've ever done that before. It's, it's pretty difficult trying to untangle um, ropes and, and nets. And so th- this is really what anxiety can do. Anxiety can just tangle us up. And, and when, sometimes with, with something that gets tangled, it's just so frustrating. Uh, you, you can be just sort of obsessed with trying to work everything out. The only way to really be freed up is to get those concerns out of your own head and cast them onto the Lord. And so, again, now that you've listed those out, whether large, medium, or small, whatever they are, um, I want to take some time to really cast those upon the Lord in prayer. For me, sometimes this is really related to health issues. Uh, very, very easy for, for me to allow anxiety and concern over the health of loved ones to really creep in and for me to get tangled up. So that's an area where through all of this, in my family, with my wife, we've just had to sort of identify that and then we just offer that up to God again in prayer, casting that to the Lord. And when it creeps back in, I start getting tangling up again, tangled up again, I just have to just say, oh, I, I've, I've taken that upon myself again and I need to hurl that over to God. Uh, that's just one area, health concerns, as it relates to my family and this virus that is obviously highly contagious. I can't just keep that upon myself because I get, I get pretty uh, easily overwhelmed with that. Another area for me is just even just preparing for delivering a message. You know, for whatever reason, uh, now doing this online is a very different experience than having done that live in front of a group of people. And just the anxiety of a new experience that can be, again, pretty crippling, where I can get all tangled up in my mind, and and I need I need to actually toss that to the Lord. And so even today, just sort of throughout the day and throughout the morning, just continually handing that anxiety to God and just saying, God, would you would you carry that for me? And so I want to take a moment and invite you to do that right there in in your own home. And I want us to just thank the Lord for caring for us and for his offer to carry all of our anxieties. And we're just going to throw all of them his way right now. And so right in your own home, I just want to encourage you to name them specifically. I'll, I'll begin with just opening up our time in prayer. And I want I want to encourage you to just out loud uh, to just name those anxieties that you need to, to throw to the Lord. It might be that um, you whisper that under your breath or you might say it out loud. And if there's a few of you in your family or roommates, then people might sort of say those uh, and they're they're being shared all together. So you don't have to wait and give each other turns, but just uh, name those specifically to the Lord. So let's do that, and I'll begin. Father, right now, we thank you for being willing to, willing to carry all of our anxieties. Uh, you are a great and mighty God uh, who is in full control right now and is capable of carrying all of our concerns. And so right now, we just... Name these areas that we're turning over to you.
Lord, we want to thank you for lightening our load this morning and right now. We want to thank you for for being capable and able to carry uh, all of our anxieties. Lord, thank you for uh, helping us in the moment with our concerns. God, I pray that as we identify that things have crept back into our mind at any point today or in the days ahead, Lord, that we would be quick to just name these things specifically and hand them over to you in prayer. And we thank you for your, your constant help, comfort, and support through all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Peter continues in verse, in verse 8. And he writes this, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, the enemy, he wants to exploit anxiety. And he wants to exploit suffering. And so what we have to do right now is we have to watch what we allow into our mind. We have to be watchful. And verse 9, we resist him. We stand firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Verse 10, here's the encouragement. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as we wrap up, let's consider some next steps. These are actually found on the sermon notes tab on your screen. And so if you, if you uh, have been following along through that listening guide, then you'll notice at the bottom we've listed out a few sort of takeaways for the morning. Number one, write out 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, and, and aim to commit that to memory. It's the verse that reads, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Another next step would be to share with a friend or with maybe a, your, your group about the anxieties that you have cast upon the Lord. Get specific. Uh, some of our groups will be meeting right after our 10 a.m. service. And so maybe if you have the opportunity to highlight uh, what, you, what you turned over to God, what you threw over to God this morning, and ask them to pray that you wouldn't take that back and get tangled up again. And then finally, we've just left one blank line so that if there's something specific that God has spoken to you about, we want to encourage you to write that down before it escapes your mind. Thanks again for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, take the time today, right after service is done, to finish filling out and then submitting that digital connection card. It really helps us to let us know uh, who is here with us worshiping today. And so look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. 